Charles Dickens said this. He said, it is good to be children sometimes, and never better than Christmas when its mighty founder was a child himself. Is that, is that amazing? That is so good. I got one more for, for you by C.S. Lewis. The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. Man, and today we celebrate the incarnation. And it's so cool that we get to do this together. I mean, this is our church community, our church family. It's kind of like a second Christmas. Uh, it'll be like 11 years again before we have the chance to meet on a Sunday morning when Christmas. How many of you knew that? 11 more years. So this is great. It's a special time. You know, we focus a lot on the Isaiah Scriptures this time of year. And other promises and prophetic declarations as well we should. We also tend to look at Christmas as closing down the old year. And New Year's Day as we walk into the newness, the, the future, right? But I was struck by the thought that maybe our filter is off. That we should be looking at, at this, this day, this time that, you know, way back we decided to celebrate uh, the, the birth of Christ. And once again, Pastor Joel brought this up a couple weeks ago. We understand Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th. I, I know what that feels like because my, my birthday is like December 24th. So I remember a time until I was like eight years old, I never even, rem yeah, I couldn't even remember that I had a birthday. It just all mashed up together, right? And so I remember one year that my mom decided that we're going to celebrate my birthday in July. Yeah, so we celebrated my birthday in July. It felt kind of weird, felt like off, because, you know, I'm used to just going grabbing a present from under the tree, and there's no tree. But anyway, I, I realize that sometimes you just do things differently, but I was struck by the thought that this different filter, even a biblical filter and viewpoint, would be that Christmas doesn't close something down, it actually opens something so new and fresh to us. And a core value and a core tenet of the, uh, of the Christmas story and a core value of Christianity, and that's faith. And I want to talk to you this morning for just a little while about faith, the faith of the participants in the story. See, radical response to radical news and activation by inspiring faith. If you think about this, this was a radical response to some pretty radical news. And then there's this activation, and that's why I see the heart of God always partners with people when they walk in faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And so, you know, God might reveal something to us, and then we have the opportunity to like, okay, I'm going to step into that. I'm going to step into that. I'm going to walk in that. I mean, that's a new fresh stream, but I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to walk in that faith. And I believe that this year is going to be a year of just where the faith of God's church is elevated, not because God is doing something different, but because we are actually doing something different. We're going to walk in the kind of faith. We're going to walk in the kind of inspiration. We're going to walk in kind of the dreaming. Listen, there's people in this room. There's people online with us. There's people that we know that you have stopped dreaming. And I believe that the Lord is saying that it's time to dream again. It's time to dream because He is the dreamer. And life happens and we get stuck and we get, I mean, we get broken and there's lots of collateral damage. There's a lot of stuff that goes on and what happens? You, you, it's like the enemy has been really good about, he turned your dreamer off. 
I know this is the Lord. I have no, I don't even have this in my notes. I didn't even think about it. It's happening right now. This is faith. There's some of you this morning that there's been a dream that's deactivated in your life. And I believe that God is going to do something in this season as you move forward in faith that He's going to reawaken some things that have been dormant in your life. Can you, can you receive that? Can, can you feel that? Amen. So I want to talk about the faith of the participants in the story. Man, I wish we had like two services today because then I could repeat that. But that just doesn't work. It's actually kind of cool to have like one service for our, you know, our worship team and everything. It's like, what? You mean I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn? You know, this is crazy. I felt guilty. I felt like a sinner. Like, oh man, I'm just sleeping in and then I get to go do church. But next week, we're back to our regular services. So, and I'm excited about what we're going to reveal next week. It's going to be so cool. So listen, let's, let's, uh, let's go to the story in Luke. I want to remind you of some things. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 35. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We know the story. And he came to her, and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then we drop down to Luke um, 1, 37, 38. And, and, and she, her resp- the, the angel says, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. One of the most improbable, impossible, supernatural, you can't make this stuff up on a natural level. But it changed the course of history, silenced the enemy, and ensured eternity for those who believe that we're activated by faith. You've got to realize that a lot of times we're, we, we, we kind of gloss over the culture that this was delivered, the message was delivered in. This had been under Roman rule, and, and, and there was only this flicker of promise that, that God had made to King David years ago. A lot of people had forgotten it, but it says in Psalm 89, 36 and 37, His offspring shall re- endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me, and like the moon it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. This was not only a time of Gentile domination. But you have to understand that for Jews, for example, this story is offensive. I think we kind of don't... Do you you realize that for Jewish people, they tolerate what we celebrate? You're actually not going to find a nativity scene on a lawn of a practicing Jewish person because it screams of Gentile. Isn't Isn't that crazy? And you'll find that, that maybe uh, in a, like an interfaith marriage, there's a, there's, a, 
There's a, a tree that gets put up, but never, never, never a manger. This is how divisive it still is today in so many places. But the point is that we typically present this as a peace-filled event, and yet the culture then was contentious, toxic, and divisive, just as it is today. And yet God still remembers. God moves with faith from the Faith from ordinary people, if you will, partners and activates what God desires on earth. So here's a few thoughts that I want to give you. The faith of the shepherds. Let's talk about the faith of the shepherds. In Luke 2, 8 through 12, I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning. That way, if you got behind on your Bible reading, we're going to catch you up. Amen? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. I love, this is probably my favorite part of the whole Christmas story. I, don't, I just love the shepherds. They were keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This angel, he's busy, man. He's moving. He's talking. He's communicating. So you've got to realize that for 400 years, God had really not spoken to his people. But when he starts speaking to his people, man, he starts sending out messengers. Boom, 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 boom. We're going to talk. I'm going to, I'm going to announce to the world what's happening. So it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now I said this at our candlelight service as well, but most scholars believe that the lambs that were raised for sacrifice were just right outside the city of Bethlehem. So these lambs would have to be perfect and without blemish to be uh, qualified to be a sacrifice. So what what a shepherd would do in that time was he would actually wrap around his midsection linen wraps. And then when the lamb was born, then basically he could take the, the wrap off and wrap the lamb and set it gently aside so that it, you know, it didn't hurt itself, it wasn't, you know, didn't break a leg. Isn't that crazy? So the angel actually spoke to the very thing that would actually resonate within a shepherd's heart when it said, and he will, you will see him in a manger, and he'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's like, boom, I just connected. I mean, he's, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times, there's a, there can be like people, it's like a mystery. How do I hear from God? You know, God will speak in a language that actually communicates to you. He will speak through circumstances. He'll speak through his word. He'll speak through the Holy Spirit moving in you. But a lot of times, he's like, he's going to speak a language, and this is what was happening here. So this message, and then the sign ignited their faith. Okay, the second principal person of the story I want to talk about is the faith of Joseph. I mean, this is kind of crazy, but I think we gloss over the faith and obedience on the part of Joseph. He's not mentioned in one of Paul's writings. He's not mentioned in the book of Mark. It's almost like, you know, I mean, here's Paul, who's you know, primarily the, the, the greatest contributing author of the New Testament, right? And yet, Joseph is not mentioned in any one of his books. So it's like Joseph sometimes is like, oh yeah, that guy. You know, the first account in Matthew speaks of Mary 
being found with child. Think about his reaction to this. Here's a faithful man doing the best he can to just do the best he can. And then my fiance is like, whoa, what happened? I mean, the Bible says found with child. And we kind of gloss over it because we get used to it. But then we see that he had a dream. Now, I'm just, I try to put myself in his place. I'm like, that would wreck me, you all. Are you kidding? That would absolutely just blow my, break my brain. It'd be like, wait a minute, I thought we had this. I mean, because you got to realize that engagement at that time, it was almost like being married. You just didn't come together physically. In fact, when, 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 when you were betrothed like that, then if one of the principals would actually commit adultery or something, it was actually, it was like adultery, and they were under the penalty of the law. It was a bad deal. And so now she's found with child. And I'm like, hmm, that's crazy. Joseph. And then an angel speaks to him. He has a dream where the angel visited him. He wakes up and says, okay, because that's what you do when the angel talks to you. I'm still thinking he's got to absolutely be struggling with this thing. I mean, I, I don't know about you, because it must have been very specific and must have been very defined. I, I dream on occasion, and there's been a couple times in my lifetime where I sensed it was from God, but there's been many dreams where I wonder if it was just the pizza I had the night before. Right, but here's Joseph and an angel of the Lord, so it's got to be like one of those like three-dimensional, full-color, panoramic visions. It's like, whoa, and you wake up, and like, oh man, I just heard from God. And he says, okay, cool. This is really pretty crazy. There's no issues here. Matthew 1, 18-25, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. Now I'm going to read you the account. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He made a plan. We're going to come back to that. But as he considered these things, hmm, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Can you believe how impossible this sounds? You know, if you were like engaged to somebody and had not had relations with them, and then basically, um, honey, I got pregnant, and it was the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Wait, but with God, nothing is impossible. All this took place to fulfill. Now, I want you to listen. This is really important. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Okay, we're going to come back to that a little bit. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, here's, here, here's, my, here's what I want to point out. Part of why this worked for Joseph is because he knew the Scripture. 
He knew the promises. He knew the prophetic. He, and, and, and what happened is when, when he had the dream, when he saw the, the natural things were happening, yeah, she's definitely, she's found with, to be with child. She's definitely, and then he had the angel of the Lord speak to him. Well, then he connected with something that had been hidden in his heart. It wasn't just something that, you know, he grabbed out of here. He's like, oh, that's where it connected. And there was another instance when I think that Joseph showed great faith. Farther on in the chapter 2, we find out that Herod was trying to kill Jesus. There's always been a dream killer. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in another dream. Whoa, another dream? He got not one dream, but two dreams? Joseph got two dreams. How, this, this is pretty crazy. It says Matthew 2, 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, took the child by his mother. Night and day he departed to Egypt, and remained there to the death of Egypt. This is what was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. Out of Egypt I called my son. Bam! There it is again. The angel of the Lord speaks to him, but he connects it with something that was hidden in his heart, and that was the Word of God, and that was Scripture. It wasn't just like, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it, stuff out there. Because he was a man of the Word. He was a faithful man. And so when God would do something supernatural with him, there was already a foundation that was deep inside of him that he, this connects this sounds impossible. This, this looks impossible, but I know the Word of God. See, you've got to have this and hide it in your heart, or you'll be carried away by every wind of doctrine. I mean, we can just kind of be like this in the wind unless we understand the Word of God, the promise of God, the heart of God, the mind of God. The Bible says, listen, you actually have the mind of Christ. You know what I just think, church? Sometimes we ought to be using it. This lets you use the mind of Christ. Because I've just got nothing but trouble when I try to use my own mind. And so he goes again. Think about this. Think about the faith that it takes to take your family back to a place where God originally delivered His people from. You want me to go to Egypt? Okay, well I remember, you know, hundreds of years ago where you actually used Moses to take people out of Egypt. Now you want me to go back? It kind of reminds me of Joseph as well in the Old Testament where the Lord spoke to him and, and circumstances and he actually took him into Egypt to actually ultimately save his family. There's like a parallel there. It's really cool. I'm not going to unpack that for you. But then he's got two more angel dreams. Not one, not two, but he's got three. He's got four angel dreams. We find that he has a dream when it's time to go back out of Egypt. And we find that he's got another angel visitation in Matthew 2.22 when he was warned not to go to Judea and Galilee instead. And every one of these dreams lined up with prophetic declarations which would have been a confirmation to him. I also think, I don't know about you, sometimes my mind just fills in the blanks. I think it took a lot of faith because it said on the eighth day that Joseph circumcised Jesus. I'm like, by then he knows this is the Son of God. This is God. 
I mean, you want me to cut something off? You, you sure, Lord? This, this is you. I mean, think about, I don't know. I go random places in my head sometimes when I'm just like, whoa. That would take a lot of faith, y'all. I'm telling you what. And did you know that the angel actually told something to Joseph that he hadn't revealed to Mary? Huh, really? Are you kidding me, Mary? Found favor with God? Yeah, we find out in Matthew one twenty one, where the angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. He never actually spoke that to Mary. He spoke that to... He revealed some deep, awesome stuff to the head of the home. Can I just say that? Head households everywhere. Listen, God wants to drop some stuff in your spirit this next year that will actually help you to guide and lead your family in a much stronger way, much better way. Amen? I just, that was, that was, that was free. That was right there. I didn't even have that down. God, that's going to happen. The last thought that inspires me about the, um, about the, um, the story of Joseph is that he changes his plans. Because remember, she was found to be with child, and he, you know, not wanting to shame her, which is like character 101. It's so cool that he did that. But then basically, uh, then God spoke to him, and he changed his plans. He was flexible. He, was, he allowed God to form what he would do. Man, I tell you what, I think this next year, we've got we to take those plans that we made. Now, the, the Bible says the Lord... Uh, a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps, man. And so you just got to hold those plans just with an open hand. You know, I mean, I say this all the time, like, you know, Lord willing and the crick don't rise, man. Because I believe that God wants to be speaking specific things and directional things into his people. And you got to have an ear that I hear. He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so I, I love that. And finally, I'm going to have our worship team come up. We're going to talk about the faith of Mary. We find in the account of Luke that the angel, Gabriel, not just like B-angel team, Gabriel. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's Michael, and then there's Gabriel. Was sent to her. And then he begins to tell her, we've read this, this incredible thing. That she would bear a son. That he would be great. I mean, how many of you, like parents, moms especially, you're carrying a baby and you're just like, man, I wish I got a prophetic word over my baby. That's so cool. But now, I mean, here's like the big guy, Gabriel. And he tells her all this stuff. You're going to bear a son. He's going to be great. He's going to be the, called the son of the highest. He would, he's going to be given the, the throne of David. He's going to rule over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will not end. Speaking this to this young girl that's maybe 14 or 15 years old. And he's saying, listen, God's got an amazing plan. And it's going to involve you. And I don't know about you, but that would totally blow me away. And then she asked the question. 
how. How will this be? She didn't say, I don't believe you. She didn't say, you're crazy. She didn't say, you must be like, you know, the devil masquerading as an angel of the light. She asked this question. She said, how will this be? You talk about faith, y'all. How will this be? And I don't think it was like, how will this be? I think because she was faithful, she knew the word of God, she knew the prophetic, she knew the scripture, she knew the Isaiah passages, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, she knew what the Bible said about this and that when it connected, she was like, man, this is way above my pay grade, but how, how's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? And then Gabriel tells us of this supernatural activation that's about to happen and that with God nothing is impossible. And what was her simple reply? It was this in Luke 1.38. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Like, come on, God, let it happen. That's my yes. That's my yes. Man, most, most likely the most profound expression and activation of faith and trust right there and what strikes me is because Joseph and Mary were faithful devout unto God that the Word of God held them with a steady and turned fear into faith and the first response was a yes sounds crazy but yes sounds um, impossible but yes sounds like I don't know how this could happen but yes because I've been brought up my whole life understanding the prophetic promise, understanding the declaration, understanding the need, and now guess what? God's got to use somebody. Might as well be me. I mean, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. A yes that's impacted countless people and is still impacting us today. A yes from a simple carpenter named Joseph. And a yes from a young woman, maybe no more than 14 or 15. And it wasn't an easy yes, as we know. Mary would be saying, I'm I'm willing to partner with God in a process that would lead to see her dying son on a cross. And Joseph had passed somewhere earlier. I mean, we have a record of Joseph up until about the time that Jesus was 12. And then after that, there was no more account of him. So here's Mary. She's a single mom. She's a single mom. There's probably, I know there's some single moms here. And she was entrusted with raising up the promise of God. God himself? That's crazy. They said yes, and they hid from Herod. They said yes in a divided, difficult culture. And God not only started with the miracle of incarnation, but also finished with the miracle of the resurrection of the same son. Our lives today have been changed by someone else's yes. This really impacted me. I hadn't really considered it. Our lives have been changed by Noah's yes. Our lives have been changed by Abraham's yes, Isaac's yes, Jacob's yes. It wasn't without trouble, it wasn't without tribulation, it wasn't without loss. But the yes of 
Moses, Joshua, Rahab, David, and countless others, your life has been impacted by someone else's yes. The yes of Jesus in the garden. My children have been impacted by my yes. Your children have been impacted by your yes. Isn't that amazing? How far will that yes ripple in impact? Like, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will continually be impacted by your yes. So what do you do? Continue to have a yes in your spirit when it comes to the thinking of God. Man, I remember my, my yes from my grandmother. When I was 17 years old and I didn't want to have nothing to do with God. I just wanted to be a rock and roll guitar player. And she had money saved up to send me to Bible college. I'm like, I don't want to go to Bible college. I like to buy a good guitar. But you know what? Her yes impacted my mother's yes. And my mother's yes impacted my yes. And my sister's yes. And my other sister's yes. And every one of my grandkids' yes. You might think that your yes doesn't mean a whole lot this morning, but your yes could actually change the tide of the next generation. Your yes can change your family. Your yes can change your community. Your yes can change everything around you. And I'm like, oh my God, this was just a yes. And yet it ripples through generations. Wow. Remember I was, I was struck by the thought that a different filter, even a biblical filter, would be that Christmas doesn't close something down. It actually opens something new and fresh to us. And I wonder if the something new and fresh is activated by our yes. Or let it be to me according to your will. So I pray that my yes, that your yes, that our yes to God today would set the course for people around us as well as generations ahead of behind that, that are ahead of us. I wanna I wanna end this morning with a powerful quote that I used at our candlelight service this week from C.S. Lewis. He writes, in the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created, but he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. The message of Christmas is that God has responded to a ruined world. And he's still responding. He's saying, good news. Great joy has come. I just ask you will you say yes this Christmas will you say yes 
to the Word of God over your life, to the desire of God over your life, to the heart of God over your life, to the love of God over your life, will you say yes to the grace? Will you say yes to the invitation? I know there are people here this morning and you recognize I want to live differently. I'm telling you, it starts, it's activated by a yes to God. By a yes to Jesus. I want to do something this morning. Just bow your heads and your hearts with me. Father, right now I'm praying for an attitude and a spirit of yes to permeate this place. Yes to the one who wonders if the relationship can be repaired. Yes to the one who wonders if health can be restored. Yes to the one who wonders if addiction can be broken. Depression can be cast totally away and healed. Yes to the one who struggles with their identity, who they are. Yes to the one who sent, yes to the one who's coming. Father, right now I just pray that you permeate this place with an attitude and a spirit of yes. I would just ask you a question this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Revelation, Jesus is talking and He says, Behold, I I stand at the door and knock. Any man hears, opens the door, I'll come in. The handle's only on the inside, only you can open it. And if that's you this morning, Christmas morning would be the most amazing time to say yes to the Lord if you haven't done that. If that's you this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I want to, I want my yes. I, I, I want to have faith in Jesus. I realize I need to, I need the Messiah. I need the Savior. You may not even understand all of this yet, but that's okay. That's just the beginning of the journey. If you're here this morning or, or you're online with us and you're saying, I want to say yes to this Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand right where you sit. I want to agree with you. It's okay, this will be the easiest place for you to profess your faith. And it's really important to profess your faith. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll profess you before my Father in heaven. I just want to agree with you. If you're online, we have a link you can you can click. Now here's, here's how I want to finish this up. If you're, you're feeling like, man, that that word I don't know about you but that I just preached to myself I did I just preached to myself it's like going to this new year I want a yes in my spirit to the things of God if that's you if that's you I want you to stand to your feet and by doing so you're saying I am going to move into this new year with a yes in my spirit I'm going to move into this new year with a yes to the things that God has called me to do. I'm going to move into this new year with a yes in my heart. I'm going to move into this new year with faith and not fear. I'm going to move in this new year not with anxiety, not with addiction. I'm going to move into this new year and I'm going to say yes to Him. I'm going to say yes to the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be like that, 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 that young girl Mary and I'm going to just say, let it be according to your word. Yes, Lord. 